Coming up on Tech News Weekly, Jason Howell and I, Micah Sargent, have quite the security episode for you because, well, a lot is uh, going wrong in the security area. Uh, first, we have Steve Gibson, yes, Security Now's own Steve Gibson, to talk about uh, what's going on over with LastPass and the incident they recently reported on. Uh, will we continue to use LastPass? Is Steve continuing to use LastPass? Should you continue to use LastPass? All those questions can be answered. Then then the EFFs, the Electronic Frontier Foundation's Matthew Goreglia, joins the show to talk about a policy making its way through the San Francisco City Council regarding the SFPD uh, using robots armed with weapons. Uh, we round things out with more security stuff. First, Hive Social. Um, they are closing the doors for a little while while they get their security in a row because things are not great there. Jason Howell will have more about that. And then I round things out with Anchor Eufy security cameras and how hmm, they may not be as encrypted and locked down as the company claims they are. Stay tuned. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Tech News Weekly, episode 262, recorded Thursday, December 1st, 2022. This episode of Tech News Weekly is brought to you by Collide. You can meet your security goals and pass your audit without compromising on privacy. Visit collide.com slash TNW to find out how. If you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag, including a t-shirt, just for activating a free trial. And by ExpressVPN, you've given enough to your ISP this year. It's time for you to start taking. So take back your internet privacy today with a VPN rated number one by Tech Radar and Mashable. Visit expressvpn.com slash TNW and get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free with a one-year package. And by IT Pro from ACI Learning. IT Pro TV is now IT Pro from ACI Learning. Join a community of IT learners who access more than 6,800 hours of IT skills and training courses to better themselves, their organizations, and their careers. Get 30% off when you sign up at itpro.tv. That URL is still the same, itpro.tv slash TNW and use code TNW30 at checkout. Hello, and welcome to Tech News Weekly, the show where every week we talk to and about the people making and breaking the tech news. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent. I'm the other guy, Jason Howell. Every week we do this, except, of course, for last week, because we had the American uh, Thanksgiving holiday. So hopefully no one panicked. Hopefully you, you yeah. knew that was kind of going on, but that's why we didn't have a show last week, and I'm sorry. Hope, hopefully <laughs> you found the uh, eggs with candy inside of them, you lit the fireworks, and you uh, <laughs> went door to door asking for uh, seeds for to plant in the grounds for trees, because that's what Thanksgiving's wow. all about, right? I mean, that's what we should do. We should take every ho every holiday and put it into one day so that we can work every other day. That's what we need. Oh, to do. God. No, I take it all back. <laughs> it's a horrible idea. Let's not do that. Well, we have a lot of security uh, on the show today, starting with password managers and LastPass. Um, you know, we, we talk on this network and on the shows all the time about the importance of protecting uh, your accounts with, you know, a strong password 
how do you manage that? Password managers are the, are the best way to do that as far as I'm concerned. But any security-minded professional will tell you that no system is 100% uh, tied down. And this week we're reminded of that. Some news that a last pass security incident incident that actually happened back in August may have been more severe than what we were told back then. New information kind of points to that. Joining us to talk about LastPass in light of this recent news is none other than Steve Gibson from Twit Security Now podcast and GRC.com. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Hey guys, great to be with you. Yeah, good to have you back, sir. It's always good to get you on. So we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us about LastPass because, I mean, I produce behind the scenes. I do the live production of Security Now. So I've heard you talk many times about LastPass, password managers and everything. So we're going to kind of get into, in a little bit, we'll get into kind of how you're feeling, kind of the temperature of LastPass. Um, but before we get there, let's talk a little bit about this incident that happened back in August. Um Tell us a little bit about that. That's kind of like the the preface for what we're, we've learned about this week. So we should probably start there. Yeah. So probably the most annoying thing about you know the any kind of a, a breach or security problem that any commercial company has is they're not going to tell you as much as you'd like to know. And this is the case if uh, about 100 days ago toward the end of August when they when they when there was this first intrusion that they reported, it was, you know, don't worry, nothing to see here. Everybody's data is safe. Uh, we had a little problem. The bad guys were roaming around in our system for 4 days, but it wasn't the production system, it was some developer system, so you know, those are not connected, so everything's fine. You know, renew your subscription when it comes due. Uh, yeah, and, now, and not to and, mention, and, I should just mention just real quick. Last week was Black Friday, so we got a bunch of bunch of sales <laughs> happening, and LastPass was in on that. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are like, "Oh, finally, it's on sale!" And they get in, and then they see the news. But anyways, continue. <laughs> and so the I, I, you know, just so everyone knows where I stand, um, back. I don't even know how long ago it was. I reviewed for the Security Now podcast a bunch of password managers. I spoke mm -hmm. to the guy who wrote LastPass, a guy by the name of Joe Segrist. Um, he he was more available to me just for whatever reason than than I was. You know, he was the only person at any of the password managers that I was able to speak to. He explained the way it worked. It all made sense. He provided me with not not source code but what he did was he was able to show me uh and 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 provided a site where i could see that what he was describing to me was absolutely the truth that the, that is the way they were encrypting on the client side so that they never got any of our passwords in the clear was was proven to be the case I selected LastPass, started talking about it, jumping up and down, saying this is the one to use. And it's I'm looking at the LastPass icon over here on Firefox. It's over here on, on Chrome. It's over on Edge. I mean, and it's still there today. It's the password manager I'm still using. Um, they're no longer a Twit sponsor. They were for a long time. They mm -hmm. became a sponsor after and maybe as a consequence of my endorsement of them. I mean, I chose them before they were a Twit sponsor. And, you know, since then they've wandered off. And Bitwarden is now a, a, a 
sponsor on the Twit Network, and that's an excellent that's right. password manager. I'm only I didn't switch because you know LastPass is still working for me, and more so more for reasons of inertia than anything else. But so mm-hmm. here's the point: is is a hundred days ago at the end of August, that incident didn't make me switch. Um, this incident. It, it makes me feel a little less comfortable because one of the things I said back then was, well, you know, if an, if an employee screws up and learns their lesson, do you fire them because they screwed up? Or do you think, well, now we have a better employee because, you know, they've learned their lesson. Well, mm-hmm. I would have right. hoped that LastPass had learned their lesson from 90 days ago and, like, wasn't going to have another problem. They're saying that some information that escaped then was used in order to, you know, allow somebody to get back in. Well, that's that's uncomfortable. So I know there are people who left, th- you know, three months ago. There will probably be people who leave now. Um, I'm not going to leave because that, and this is the thing that they keep stressing, and it's not incorrect, but of course it is for their benefit and it's promotional. And that is that mm-hmm. what they're holding for each of their users is a, is a blob a, a pre-encrypted blob. Um, uh, at one point we had a, a term on security. Now, uh, pie, uh, pre P I E pre internet encryption, the idea. And also of course, TNO trust no one. The idea being that before this ever leaves your computer, it's so well encrypted that all that the cloud is doing, all LastPass, and it's very much like you know iCloud. Although uh, Apple is able to get into iCloud stuff, so the analogy is not as good there. LastPass is unable to decrypt the 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 blob of passwords that they're holding for us, and the only reason there's a cloud at all is that we'd like our various devices to stay synchronized, right? If I'm losing, using LastPass over on an iPhone, as I do, then if I create a new account and website and add that information on my iPhone, I would like my Windows desktop to know about it when I'm using it next. So basically, they they provide this blob of encrypted data to all of your various clients and it's the client that then uses your master LastPass password to decrypt the blob so um it's and of course i guess there's maybe there's billing information that they have or i mean some other information that might be sensitive i i, I don't know but anyway mm-hmm. so that's sort of where i stand and what's going on with them is LastPass giving any sort of guidance to users right now? I know I got the, you know, the email and, yep, you know, it's kind too. of the, the typical standard email like, OK, hey, just want you to know something happened, but it's cool. We got it and everything. I mean, is there anything that really users who want to stick around with LastPass can do in light of this to be? Sh- I mean, there probably isn't. It's it's really all in LastPass hands at this point. Right. Right. Um, the. On the client side, you put in your master password and it hashes it some insane number of times, like a thousand times, I think it is. You know, it's called PBKDF2, password based key derivation function two, because one wasn't good enough. So, um, <laughs> and, and, and the, the user is actually able to change that number. There's a setting in your, 
in your in your client where you could say, oh, I want to hash this 5,000 times. Anyway, so the point is it just makes it like virtually impossible for a, you know, even hardware assisted password brute forcing things to make any headway. So, I mean, it really is strong encryption um, since that is password your master password never leaves you the last best doesn't have it hopefully nobody has it you know them having a problem holding on to their stuff at that end doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you need to change anything at your end so so i i agree with you there's uh, i would argue i mean i'm sure nine no 90 days ago they lost some customers now they're going to lose some customers as a responsible as a responsible public corporation they must report breaches they they mm-hmm. man, they've engaged the services of mandiant they said in the letter that you and I both received and they in the letter was full of don't worry everything's safe no you know user data they they did they did say that some customer information was exposed, but not the password blob, which totally makes sense. You know, right, if right. If that, they're that's doing... the most important part. Yeah, well, potentially. Me. Actually, now that I, now that I say that, that's incredibly important. But I also have a lot of other really important stuff stored in there. Potentially, people have their credit card numbers uh, stored. Oh in no, a no, that's note. all. That's all part of the blob. Okay, so that's part of the blob. We say password blob, but it's really like every kind of protected, encrypted data within uh, that we store within there, not just passwords. Correct. And I'm yeah. the same as you. I, 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 uh, it knows my, my credit cards for, for quickly filling out credit card forms and, and all that stuff. That is all in this bit, the single master blob, which is encrypted. And all they, all they're getting is, is, is it looks actually like, it's it. You can't tell the difference from between it and completely random noise. It's just mm. noise bits, and there's nothing that they can do with it except hand it back to you when you are on a different machine. And then again, you use your master password in order to decrypt it, and now it makes sense to your client here. Um, they, I don't know what other information they have. If they do like recurring billing, then maybe they would have credit card information. Uh, if maybe they got phone numbers, if they want to do, uh, like, uh, second factor authentication stuff there, there, you know, there are things that, that they would have to interact with users other than that. Um, I I use a time-based second factor. I I know, and I'm a big believer in that, that that's the Mm -hmm. the type of multi-factor that you want to use. So, um, so they would have the key that I use for that. But that wouldn't do anybody any good without my master password. So, right. uh, I, you know, I, I'm not planning to leave. I guess that's my point. But I totally understand if people are like, well, you know, let's go somewhere else because these guys don't seem competent. I, you know, yeah. and, and, and the problem is from the outside, we have no way of knowing. I don't know what their yeah, internal... Totally. Mech, you know mechanisms are and protections and if like you know and they're not telling us because they don't have to so they're just putting a good face on it and they're saying everything's fine here nothing to see yeah well i'm super thrilled that we got you on to talk about this because this was really one of the main questions that i had you know being being behind the scenes at security now each and every week and hearing you talk about password managers and LastPass. when i saw this i was like 
oh, is this going to be the thing that makes Steve go, I think I'm going to move on to uh, greener pastures? But it sounds like, no, it sounds like you're sticking there. And I have to imagine you're going to be talking about this next week on Security Now as well. So anyone who wants, uh, you know, potentially will have more information by the time next Tuesday rolls around. And if so... I'm pretty sure Steve's going to be on the case. So, Steve, thank you so much for hopping on to this show for a change. Of course, people can uh, follow your work on Security Now, but also GRC.com is where people should go to check out Spinrite and all the other awesome things you're doing over there. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. See you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome to have you on. Uh, let us take a quick break. So I can tell you about a sponsor before we come back to talk about the SFPD arming its robots or, well, wanting to arm its robots. More on that in a moment. But let's talk about Collide, who are bringing you this episode of Tech News Weekly. If you're listening to this podcast right now, the odds are good that at some point you'll go through an audit like SOC 2 or ISO 27001. And when you do... You'll have to answer some tough questions about endpoint security. Questions like, do all your company laptops have their disks encrypted? Does everyone have the company's password manager installed? Do you have a system in place to monitor and maintain compliance throughout your cross-platform fleet? Even if you're confident that you will be able to answer all those questions, yes, the bigger question is, can you prove it to an auditor? If you're not quite sure how you'd go about proving compliance across your fleet of devices, well, then you need Collide. Collide is an endpoint security tool for Mac, for Windows, and Linux devices that does things that MDM simply can't and gives you the visibility you need to achieve and maintain compliance. And the best thing of all is that Collide doesn't resort to watching all of your employees with surveillance or locking down devices. Instead, it works with the end users to resolve issues and relies on their cooperation and informed consent. Collide's super cool. I I think that every business that has employees should be using this tool because of the way that it involves the individuals, the employees that are working there. Not just the IT department that's, you know, big and scary and saying you have to do this, you have to do this, but it actually treats people like the human beings they are, the intelligent human beings that they are, and tells them why it's important to follow these security guidelines. You can meet your security goals and pass your audit without compromising on privacy. Visit collide.com slash TNW to find out how. And if you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag, including a T-shirt, just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash T-N-W. Thank you so much to Collide for sponsoring this week's episode of Tech News Weekly. All right, now that we're back from the break, it is time to talk about the San Francisco Police Department making the decision, or trying at least to make the decision, to uh, arm it's robots with uh, lethal methods. Joining us to talk about this is the Electronic Frontier Foundation's Matthew Goreglia. Thank you for joining us today, Matthew. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so before we kick things off and kind of dig into this specific story, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about the EFF uh, and kind of what the goal, uh, the, the sort of mindset of the EFF is. I think that that provides some context for our listeners who may not be familiar, although I know many of them are, uh, and are probably very excited that you joined us today. 
Yeah, so the Electronic Frontier Foundation is now over 30 years old. It is a civil liberties organization comprised of activists, policy professionals, technologists, hackers, and lawyers. Um, and we do civil liberties in the digital world. We make sure that technology uh, is on the side of freedom and not uh, it used as a tool by governments to suppress freedom. And that includes censorship, surveillance, uh, issues of privacy, uh, issues of free speech. And uh, we are a membership-based organization. We have over 35,000 members around the world and would love if you would become a member. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, let's get into the details a little bit. Um, tell us about these potentially lethal SFPD robots. Uh, I'm curious, what groups are involved in deciding whether the SFPD can use these robots with deadly force? And kind of where did this come from? Was this, uh, you know, a policy that, that was submitted? I, I, I'm curious about the kind of um, lead up to this, that it ended up making it to where it is right now, being voted on, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so the, the landscape is a little complicated. I'll, I'll give you a rundown, which this kind of begins in 2016 when the Dallas Police Department found themselves in a very peculiar situation in that there was a shooter in a parking garage that police could not approach. And the kind of improvised ad hoc solution they came up with was taking one of these uh, bomb diffusing or bomb carrying robots that now most large police departments in the country have and, and strapping C4 to it and blowing up that shooter. Um, so fast forward to now, the state of California has passed a law called AB 481, which requires police departments in California to pass uh, through city council's usage policies for the technology they have. Um, and in, in clarifying how they plan to use these uh, bomb-diffusing or bomb-carrying robots, uh, they wrote in a contingency that said uh, that should the, the situation arise, they would like to be able to strap a bomb to these robots and use it to deploy deadly force. Um, of course, that is not quite what the policy says. The policy is a little bit more broad than that. Um, and also... Uh, where it's coming to a vote now is in the Board of Supervisors. Uh, it has passed eight to three on its first reading and needs to be passed through the Board of Supervisors one more time before it gets put officially into law. Understood. And, and yeah, thank you for that, uh, especially that sort of historical precedent uh, and, and how that's involved. Now, I've kind of always thought of robots as these tools that police use to disarm bombs or, you know, even if it's not police, special forces use to disarm bombs. So what in the world is going on that now we maybe have robots being equipped with weapons of some sort uh, to, you know, to arm these robots? Um, are these robots specifically made for that purpose or is it a matter of, of you know, looking at a robot and going, you know, this could do three other things, including exploding someone that we want to get rid of. Yeah, I mean, I think this is another story of if you give police these tools, they're going to use them and they're going to find more and more creative ways to use them. Um, these robots specifically that the San Francisco Police Department already own, they're not built for blowing up people. Uh, but, you know, if you can strap a bomb to them, uh, <laughs> they might just do that. Um, 
And and so yeah, I mean I mean this is part of a much longer process that I wish members of the board of supervisors would realize it has deep historical roots and has a lot of precedent behind it, uh, where military equipment that comes to policing and police swear up and down they're only going to use them in the most extreme circumstances often find ways of working their way into more commonplace and more everyday acts of policing. Um, the, the, and I think that that kind of is, it leads into the next question that I have. Uh, speaking specifically of the policy, is this a free pass for the SFPD to use uh, armed robots at all times? I think some of the headlines out there would lead you to sort of imagine you're in San Francisco and there's uh, walking down the street, a couple of police officers and they each have a little robot dog walking behind them that could potentially explode at any point. Um, Tell us about the limitations uh, as the FF sees it of the policy and uh, maybe the, the lack of limitations as well. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind, I just like to read a portion of the policy because I, I'd like to like Please. get it on the record. So it says robots will only be used as a deadly force option when one, the risk of life to members of the public or officers is imminent, and two, officers cannot subdue the threat after using alternative force options or de-escalation tactic options, or conclude that they will not be able to subdue the threat after evaluating alternative force options or de-escalation tactics. So what it says is they can only use it when when uh, when risk of death is is imminent for members of the public or officers. Um, mm-hmm. But it does not say that they have to exhaust alternatives. It says that they either they have exhausted alternatives or they have evaluated that those alternatives don't work. So to me, this or is doing a lot of work in that they don't actually have to try other tactics. They just have to think about other tactics and say, I don't think that's going to work. Send in the robot. Um, and the other important thing to note here is that, um, you know, they can only use it as deadly force when risk of life to members of the public or officers is imminent. This is also actually, it sounds specific, but it's pretty squishy language when you think about use of deadly force by officers just with guns, with other weapons, also has a very high threshold of supposedly when when uh, risk of, of threat the lives of the officers is imminent or the public is imminent. And yet all the time we see uh, unarmed people, innocent bystanders um, get even friendly fire. Other officers get shot by officers with guns. So the, mm. the idea that this could only be used when, when risk of life is imminent um, sh- is, should not be something that we should rest our hats on. Got it. So, I mean, th- this is this again leads perfectly into the next point here. Uh, of course, there's been both criticism and support of the policy, uh, according to the New York Times, even by the uh, mayor who would sign this and make it, uh, you know, bring it into effect. Um, so, I think you've done a, a good job of kind of showing the EFF stance. But if you want to uh, talk a little bit about what detractors have said about this specifically, why uh, there is criticism against this uh, in in the wake of of others who are you know kind of trying to push it through. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty frustrating. People who are incredibly pro uh, this measure um, have kind of just straight up dismissed any criticism as like being sensationalist. They say, you know, that the, they conjure the straw men of saying that everybody concerned with this policy are, are, are have this fantastical vision of 
automated robocops that they're going to be patrolling the street with guns in their arms. And, and they're just doing that in order to not take these criticisms seriously. Um, because I, I do not think it's sensationalist. I don't think it's far-fetched or fantastical to look at how police have used military equipment since 9-11 um, how often we see these like massive weapons, these drones, these other pieces of surveillance equipment that were swore that they would only use, you know, in case of terrorist attack or in the most extreme circumstances, which have become everyday tools of policing. Um, and to notice that it's usually the most marginalized groups in society that end up having to face this technology and these weapons most often. Um, I do not think it's far-fetched to just question uh, how and when this robot might end up on the street in situations other than, you know, a, a sniper in a parking garage. Um, I mean, I don't think it's wild to envision a scenario in which, you know, somebody is in throes of a mental health crisis. Uh, they are standing in the middle of a street um, and police understanding this is kind of a standoff. Bring a robot there just in case. I don't think that's a far-fetched scenario, especially in San Francisco. Now, the policy was, as you mentioned, approved by the board on November 29th, uh, a couple of days ago as we record this show, with an 8-3 to three vote. And it needs to be approved uh, by the board and signed into law by the mayor, who the New York Times says is uh, pretty it has has expressed support of this policy. So my question is, do you have any insight into how likely it is that this policy passes? Um, where does the, you know, is the, is the FF going, it's probably going to go through and now we're working through other means to kind of talk about this, or is there still opportunity that this doesn't end up uh, making it as, as an official policy in, in San Francisco? Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, the the, the community uh, is angry about this. A lot of people um, are not buying this this argument that it is um, far fetched or fantasy to be concerned about these issues. And so, uh, you know, I still have hope that that people uh, that some of the supervisors might actually listen to their constituents and not dismiss their concerns as fantasy. Um, but you know, I'm not sure because we're just in a place right now in San Francisco where uh, to deny police anything um, is to be smeared as being pro-crime in a way or somehow naive, um, despite the fact that, you know, the, the San Francisco Police Department uh, is not a totally innocent actor here historically. Um, and so uh, I think that hopefully we can rally the community. People are angry about this. Um, but, but if it does pass, which I, I'm afraid to say that I, I think it might, given how dug in a lot of these supervisors sound, uh, I'm pretty sure the policy will have to come under review again in one year. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And is that part of the law that you talked about uh, earlier at the start of the, the interview? Yeah, I think there might be a, a, a pretty regular revision process toward this policy where it has to come up for reanalysis. Got it. Well, the last thing I'll ask you, um, is there a way for San Francisco folks who are watching this interview or who are aware of this policy going through uh, to take any action, be it for or against uh, this this policy uh, before the next vote comes into play and it's moved to the mayor's desk? Yeah, if you live in San Francisco, I think now the best thing you can do is reach out to your supervisor and explain to them that, you know, when you give police this kind of an equipment and you, you rest on a handshake that they're not going to use it 
until the most extreme circumstances happen, that odds are you see it eventually. And it's not in the circumstances that they promised that they would deploy it under. So I think just reaching out to your supervisor and making it clear that, you know, you are concerned about this issue and you really think that the, the policy is too vague, that it's too broad, and that this really is a policy that could end up hurting people. Understood. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. I really appreciate that. Um, if folks want to follow you online and check out the work that you're doing, that the EFF is doing, uh, where should they go to do so? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, our blog, EFF.org, I think is one of the best sources for tech news and analysis and commentary you can get. So EFF.org, uh, spend some time there and you can follow me on Twitter at mgoriglia. Awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> love uh, the EFF's work. That's why we have them on somewhat regularly. I love what they're doing. Uh, up next, apparently I'm on this security beat uh, this week. Actually, many <laughs> things have been very security focused on this week's episode. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Hive Social. Maybe you've heard of that and reasons why it's in the news today, especially. But first, this episode of Tech News Weekly is brought to you by ExpressVPN. That's right. Another security product. See security all over the show. Uh, it's the season of giving. However, if you haven't been using ExpressVPN uh, every time you've gone online this year, you've already given enough to your internet service provider. Because believe me, they're they're happy to take uh, anytime you hop online. Uh, every time you go online, in fact, without ExpressVPN, your provider can see and log every single website that you visit. And yes, that includes all the sites that you visit in incognito mode. Don't make that mistake. Don't make that misunderstanding. They're also legally allowed to sell all of your browsing activity to third-party advertisers. And as we know, that data is valuable. So they see massive profits, which means they've got a lot of incentive to do that. That's why I'm done giving to my internet service provider I've given enough and why I always go online with ExpressVPN. The app encrypts and reroutes 100% of my network data through their secure servers when I have ExpressVPN active. So, in other words, my provider can't see a single thing. Plus, it couldn't be easier to use. And it really is just dead simple. You simply fire up ExpressVPN on any of your devices. It's a single button. It's a single big button on the screen. You just tap that and boom. You're in. You're protected. It's pretty awesome. Unlike your internet service provider, ExpressVPN is committed to your privacy. That's what their business is all about. Their privacy policy has even been audited by third parties so you can rest assured that your data is not being logged by anyone. I love ExpressVPN. I've got, you know, we've got the router in the house. I've got the app on my phone. It's, it's really everywhere. I've got it on my laptop. The laptop I'm using right now uh, is pretty awesome stuff. And you really need to check it out uh, for yourself and protect yourself and stop giving. You've given enough to your ISP this year. It's time for you to start taking. So take back your internet privacy today with the VPN rated number one by Tech Radar as well as Mashable. Visit expressvpn.com slash TNW. You'll get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free with a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, expressvpn.com slash TNW. And you can learn more by going there. So that's the URL to remember, expressvpn, expressvpn.com slash TNW. And we thank them for their support of Tech News Weekly. 
All right. So let's see here. Mastodon. I've been spending some time on Mastodon. I've actually been really enjoying the kind of like smaller curated thing. I've also... Mm-hmm kind of explored some of the other things out there. I don't have an invite for post. It's called post, right? I don't have an invite for that yet. Um, so I haven't been able to, to take some time with that one. Another social network that people have been checking out, because it really seems like that's where we're at right now. It's like this whole Twitter upheaval has people, if, if not leaving Twitter outright, um, kind of exploring their options. You know, like, well, what else is out there? Maybe there is, a, you know, another service that I want to use. One of those is uh, Hive social. And uh, so I thought I'd give a little bit of background on this. And then the reason that why we're talking about Hive today uh, is a security incident, which I'll get to in a second. But this was originally created not in the last like couple of months, because if you've heard about it, probably the majority of people that are on it right now have probably heard about it, you know, sometime in the last few months with Twitter and all that going south. Um, it was created in 2019 by two college students, kind of a mishmash of features from other networks. And I've I've hopped into Hive to try and, you know, kind of like get a sense of like, how do, how does this integrate with, you know, my social media needs or my life or in, in some way? It's really interesting because it, it really does pull from everything. So it's got chronological order sorting. Uh, people will love that, of course. Uh, photo sharing, video sharing, status updates. There's a music section. There's monetization of posts. So you can monetize some posts. Link sharing, of course. One of the things that I think people um, like about it is that it has no personalized algorithm. It's so interesting to see how this this pendulum has swifted has shifted back the other way because it used to all be about like how do we personalize this so you only see the things you care about, and now people are like, no, I don't want that. I just want everything in order so that I know you know it, it it's not uh, profiling me or whatever the case may be. The app has surpassed the million user point in recent weeks and. Uh, of course, we can, you know, I'm, I'm sure attribute that to the Musk Twitter drama uh, as its fuel. And it was really it has been as other kind of similar social networks, like newer social networks, especially been in a good position to really capitalize on the rush um, that people, you know, rush of people moving from Twitter um, to check out other things. So it was in a good position. Um, and I think this story kind of goes in in the direction of. Yes, that's true. There are other services out there, but be very, very sure about the ones that you pick because if they're new, you know, they, they might not have the, the security um, practices in place that you hope that they do, right? Turns out that perhaps Hive Social rushed the product to market in order to kind of capitalize on the timing. As a result, it might be best to hold off on that hiving for a little bit. There's a German cybersecurity group and I'm probably going to say it wrong, therefore Schung, I think, uh, <laughs> warned yesterday that the app is a security nightmare, as they put it. Uh, they issue the warning point blank. They say, quote, do not use Hive Social. Uh, they found a number of critical vulnerabilities. They disclosed um, all of these to Hive Social. One of them was the ability for attackers to, uh, quote, access all data, including private posts, private messages, shared media, even deleted direct messages. <laughs> this also includes private email addresses, phone numbers entered during login. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at that. I'm like, well, that's really the kit and caboodle. I mean, that's that's pretty much everything that you don't want 
uh, shared if someone logs in. You don't want anything shared, but that's the really valuable stuff. Also, attackers can edit other users' posts on the network. So, <laughs> so yay, wow. it has an edit feature, wow. but it's an edit feature that other people can use on your post. Um, many specifics, uh, as far as the details are concerned, were not shared. They did this for privacy reasons, um, to protect current Hive users. Uh, like I said, they did share this information they, uh, with Hive a while back. After a while, Hive, the company, said that they had addressed everything. When the researchers went in to check, they found many of the original issues still existed. So now they're kind of putting out the, the warning to everybody. And, uh, you know, of course, Hive is responding. Um, actually, actually what Hive is, has done is they, they initially, they issued a statement, um, you know, to say, Hey, we've heard about this. We take it very seriously. They decided to turn off the servers. They say for a few days to address the problems to quote, come back faster and more stable. So that's what, you know, that's what you would hope to see is like, okay, let's, let's stop the potential right now. They tweeted to say that there was no account compromised. So there was no actual account that they're talking about that, you know, this, uh, payload was, was gained necessarily. Um, just that that vulnerability existed. Um, the server, the server shutdown, they said is preventative while they work. So. Yeah, just kind of a friendly reminder to you know be be careful and you're in your rush to find new social networks. I don't know how how you protect yourself against this without suddenly encountering it. Like who who would have known? But have you used uh, Hive Social at all? Have you checked it out for yourself, Micah? I have, um, and I think one of the good things about all of these different services kicking off all at once is that it's resulted in me not really committing necessarily to yeah. many or any of them. So it, I, I often, it's just been the case of me trying to claim my username so that somebody else doesn't get it and try to pretend to be me. Sure. Um, and so I have not sent DMS or, you know, mm. sent uh, anything that I w thought would be encrypted or would be locked behind this or that or the other. And that has resulted then in me not having too much to worry about as far as this goes. But doesn't stop, you know, the the concern that I have for the folks who have, you know, made use of this technology and or of this the service and who kind of did put their trust in it because, you know, I think that FOMO has kind of been a pretty powerful thing in all of this. And when oh, you sure. hear about people joining this platform and you think, oh, this is probably where people are jumping to, you quickly hop into that and you hope that, you know, that's the place to go. So you may um, just assume, oh, everybody else is here and uh, everybody else is using it. So it's probably fine. And I think mm -hmm. that that's where we have to uh, slow down a little bit and say, let me check on this first and make sure that it's okay for me to be using this because uh, I, I, just because everybody else is hopping on it does not necessarily mean that it's safe. Yeah. I guess the challenge there though, like as I think about that, cause I, I agree you're right. And that's, that's kind of, kind of what I was thinking too, is like, slow down, like just, just, you know, be sure that there's a, a platform to step on, you know, when you, when you set your foot out in front of you, make sure that there's actually a step there. Right. <laughs> and you don't fall through. But at the same time, like how, 
How does any average user actually know with any certainty, like, okay, it's safe to yeah. step now? You know what I mean? Like, there's there's yeah. no real indication like, okay, we, we're we clear. We have no security holes. Yay, it's safe to come over. You know, there, there is nothing like that. So we're always taking a risk. Anytime we check out any new app, new service, there's just no real way to be certain. So I don't know how someone does that um, due you diligence. Al- you almost just have to wait. Um, that, yeah, that ends right. up being the thing. Wait and see what happens. But then again, you wait and you don't get your username. So yeah. maybe or lock in you your username. To, <laughs> yeah. Lock in your username and then wait to make use of the service, yeah. which is kind of what I've been doing. Not necessarily because I thought that that's what I needed to do, but, uh, right. it, it, it's worked for me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward, uh, in, in the rundown and realizing this entire dang show is security focused. So it is absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we will come back to have even more security, uh, in a moment, but first, uh, let us take a quick break so that I can tell you about our next sponsor who is bringing you this episode of tech news weekly. It's IT Pro from ACI Learning. That's right. IT Pro from ACI Learning is the new name. IT Pro TV is now IT Pro from ACI Learning. Whether you're new to the IT field or you're a seasoned professional, IT Pro's online IT training courses can change your life. They offer virtual learning solutions for everyone. And that means you're going to get quite a bit of uh, goodies. First, you're going to get IT training videos, every vendor and skill you need to start or advance your IT career, done in a talk show format that keeps you interested and excited to learn. IT Pro has more than 6,800 hours of IT training, and courses are always up to date. Courses you can binge in 20 to 30-minute episodes. You'll also get interactive IT virtual labs. This is what sets IT Pro apart from the competition because you get hands-on learning via the hosted virtual labs. And this isn't just, you know, a way to, to, to follow along with the process as you're watching the video. No, these are, this is on-demand access to cloned virtual machine environments so that you can test your skills while you're learning in the exact uh, set, set up and system that you would be using uh, in the real world. IT certification uh, practice tests are also part of the package. You can take and retake tests to ensure you're ready before you sit for the exam, as well as the online community that's gigantic, more than 220,000 IT learners. And that gives you the ability to learn when and where you want on your desktop, on a tablet, maybe sitting on the couch watching an Apple TV, a mobile device, or Roku, wherever you want to learn. And, you know, you don't need to pay for a university degree just to work in IT. Stay focused on tech. Stay focused on that goal with affordable certification-based learning that will get you the job. Check out IT Pro's top 12 courses for free during their December free weekend, which runs on December 10th and December 11th. So it's upcoming. 
Write that down. December 10th, December 11th, check out IT Pro's top 12 courses for free. Each month, IT Pro offers free webinars you can watch live or on demand at your convenience, or you can watch on IT Pro's social channels, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. For December, they have all things cybersecurity with Josh Mason on December 8th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And the 12 days of IT are back. Follow the IT Pro YouTube channel to see a new tech gift unboxed every day from November 28th through December 9th. To enter to win, go to go.itpro.tv slash 12 days. Go.itpro.tv slash 12 days. On December 9th, the winners will be announced live on YouTube. Tim Broom and Don Pazette, the co-founders of IT Pro TV, said, we created this because it is the IT training we wanted to have for ourselves. Engaging, conversational, affordable, and convenient. Get 30% off when you sign up at itpro.tv slash tnw and use code tnw30. That's 30% off when you sign up at itpro.tv slash tnw with the code tnw30. ITPRO. Build or expand your IT career and enjoy the journey. Thanks so much to ITPRO from ACI Learning for sponsoring this week's episode of Tech News Weekly. Now we're back from the break for more security chat. This time... We're talking about Anchor's Eufy cameras. So, you know, full disclosure, I guess, or, or, or uh, full mea culpa, maybe. Um, I don't know. I just want to be clear. I have and recommend and continue to recommend Anchor's uh, charging products. Anchor has loads and loads of different charging products that make it possible for you to uh, charge your devices conveniently. Um, the These like multi-port chargers that can charge your iPhone, your iPad, and your Mac at the same time. Anchor's charge line is fantastic. Anchor also has a sort of subset company called Eufy, um, and with that is a bunch of smart home products. And some of those smart home products include security cameras. Now, Eufy has long been lauded in, in fact, I just am now realizing I'm looking on my desk and uh, I've got a Eufy camera uh, sitting there, not plugged in right now, but uh, sitting there that whenever I go places, I plug it in. And it's long been lauded and uh, recommended by the tech press as one of a few options for affordable but uh, privacy-forward and security-forward devices that you can buy um, to add security cameras to your home. And that's because of Eufy's promise, um, its pledge, its uh, guidelines that say that the uh, way that they have it set up is that it's everything stored locally on your devices. In fact, the Eufy camera I have, I put a, a little SD card into a micro SD card uh, because all of that video footage is stored there. It's end to end. And this is according to Eufy end to end encrypted. So that means that it goes from the device straight to your phone without any ability to uh, kind of communicate in between and that uh, the artificial intelligence that it uses for being able to track motion and give those motion detections or pa uh, package detection, all of that is supposed to be on the device as well, meaning that it is not, uh, you know, going to any system online. It is not uh, being sent to a server somewhere. And so 
this is one of many reasons why these cameras are often uh, suggested as an option for people who are privacy focused. However, it appears that Eufy has been lying about what it is doing when it comes to the storage of video and the uh, access of video on its platform. And I say lying not simply because of a, um, uh, you know, the fact that, that what some security researchers have found suggests that what they've said uh, in their marketing and online and in their terms of service and all that stuff is untrue. But also, The Verge has in the past communicated directly with Eufy in very simple questions saying, does this, you know, is this true, essentially? And they have categorically denied. In fact, I want to quote directly from the Verge article. Quote, when we asked Anchor point blank to confirm or deny, to, to, excuse me, when we asked Anchor point blank to confirm or deny that, that being uh, that the Eufy cameras um, are able to be accessed over the cloud, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, um, the company categorically denied it. Quote, I can confirm that it is not possible to start a stream and watch live footage using a third-party player such as VLC, Brett White, a senior PR manager at Anchor, told me, the person from The Verge, via email. So, going back a little bit, I, I talked about how they say that everything's ended encrypted, that everything, that you know, this footage is stored locally, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Paul Moore, at Paul underscore reviews on Twitter, uh, showed that he was able to, they were able to access the a stream of the Eufy camera using the app uh, VLC. So with a little bit of um, knowledge, because uh, they purposely did not share how they did it, um, they, uh, sorry, I, I got distracted there by the, the, the uh, chat there for a second. Um, anyway, so, they purposely did not uh, share how they did it exactly for the purposes of people's security and also because now there's um, going to be some legal proceedings. But they were able to just use VLC, type in a certain um, URL that was a direct access to the stream and stream from the camera that was supposed to be end-to-end -end encrypted and not able to be accessed uh, through any means other than what you had set up. Um, the Verge was able to do this themselves. Uh, it's not clear that there's then there's been no evidence that this has been exploited uh, from bad actors at all. But who knows for sure? Um, and the way that the Verge did it, and they of course don't go into detail, but um, they got the address that they needed to put into VLC by logging in with a username and password uh, to their Eufy account. And then from there, they were able to get the encryption-free stream. So this, again, is a stream of the video that is not only uh, not end-to-end -end encrypted, but isn't even encrypted. <laughs> so it's not even a both-ways kind of encryption in the first place. It's one-way encryption. And then this is where things go even further. Um, apparently, the... The, the the way that they set up any kind of uh, the the URL for this stream that exists is using the serial number from the camera, 
And as uh, is noted in this Verge article, serial numbers are numbers that by their very nature are not meant to change. They stay the same from the time they come from the factory to the time they reach your home until the time that they are maybe, uh, you know, given away to the time that that person uses it all the way till the, the death of the product. And let's look at the outside of a box from Apple on the outside of a box from Google on the outside of a box from almost any tech company somewhere. You can find that little serial number. So someone could in theory, go to a store, find these serial numbers, get them, figure out how to do this, um, this, you know, uh, get that, that, uh, VLC stream and then be able to access it. Or, and I think this was in a more reasonable way that this could be used in the wild, a bad actor um, donates a bunch of these cameras or, you know, sells for very little money a bunch of these cameras to uh, a store like Goodwill or something like that. People buy them, they take them home, and the person has almost everything that they need to be able to get the URL that's the VLC stream, the stream that they would put it into VLC. Um, what this all shows is that on top of the fact that there is a way to access an unencrypted stream is that maybe Eufy's security practices are not as good as they have claimed. Because even if they weren't able to access the stream via the URL, the fact that they're using a serial code or the serial number as the way to create this code shows kind of poor thinking in the first place. Um, a, a token that um, is supposed to be generated that then Yuffie's servers are supposed to check against wasn't even validated at all. They were able to change that token to the words arbitrary potato and it still worked. And then <laughs> um, a four to six digit random um, hexadecimal that, could also be, uh, you know, brute forced. On top of that, <laughs> if you can believe, there are some claims, um, again from uh, Paul Moore, that the encryption key that Yuffie is using for the parts of the video stream that are uh, that are encrypted is, and this is again what this uh, researcher claims is that. The encryption key is just a plain text string, uh, capital Z, capital X, security, 17 cam at. And that security code, that plain text string um, has been published online in the past. Uh, and so it is, it's a whole lot of um, yikes. <laughs> it's a whole lot of yikes. No because you want to be able to, trust a company's assertions that it is doing what it's supposed to do. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, how do you, how does an average person know which devices to buy or not buy and which ones are secure or are not secure? Because, you know, the verge has reviewed these products in the past and has recommended them. That's one, but I mean, loads of different tech companies. I'm just using the verge as an example because uh, they've written about this most recent uh, issue. And so you hear from all these different tech people. Oh yeah, these are great. Da, 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 da. They say that they'll do this. Da, da. 
but you almost like you need there needs to be a security researcher out there who's just going through all of these and saying, no, don't use this one. Don't use this one. And of course, what it boils down to is just never install any of this in the first place. And then you don't have to worry about it. But that's not <laughs> yeah. that's not the world we live in. You know what I mean? Like that's that that is an easy answer to give. But it's not the answer that people are going to follow on the whole. And it is disappointing at the very least concerning uh, for sure that all of this is true in the background. And it makes me, you know, side eye this camera that I've had uh, checking my home um, with some regularity whenever I'm outside of it. Because if someone figured out the right uh, mm -hmm. string of characters, they could gain access to that camera. And this is one of those pan cameras too. It's got like the AI so it can, so now I'm like, oh man. So you can somebody... tilt it and everything. Yeah. So every yeah. time that it followed me as I was, you know, leaving the room or whatever, was somebody actually the one controlling that or was it the AI the whole time? Who knows? Yeah. It's unsettling. That is unsettling. I mean, and as a user of any of these types of devices, I don't have an anchor camera, but once you know that something like this has happened, it's, you know, that trust level uh, drops. And I guess then, you know, it's, it's kind of like, do you fall in the camp of like, wait and see, or do you fall in the camp of like, I just, I can't even trust this anymore. Um, I've got to move on, but yeah, and, and then moving on actually carries a cost because dang it, I have these devices through my house and now suddenly, you know, I, I need to get rid of them. And I mean, it really kind of reminds me a little bit of the last pass story as well. It's kind of like, what is, what is the point at which the line is drawn for the user to say like, all right, my data might not have been compromised here, but I've heard enough to want to move away. And then you're faced with the reality of moving away, which is not convenient in any sense. You know, it's incredibly yeah. inconvenient and costly, which shouldn't be the reason why someone allows their security to be exposed going forward. Like, oh, you know, I've decided to just let people hack my camera because it's just too much of a pain in the butt to replace them. <laughs> like, you probably shouldn't do that. But still, there's that resistance, which means everybody has a different line that they draw in the sand as far as too far what is that too far line you know yeah i i this it's uh, <laughs> I, there's yeah. no answer uh unfortunately no. and i no. guess it's just keep your eyes out you know uh stay stay posted keep posted and um, i mean the fact the fact that they were that they um i mean as as the verge puts it in their headline lied about this stuff yeah and they continue to deny it and that's and then and, it's and like, okay, well, if that's really, the case now, then what about other things that we don't know about? What about the future? I mean, you know, as a company, as a security products uh, developer, creator, whatever, like you, you're only as good as, as the trust that people have in you. And if you're caught in a lie as far as what you say you're doing or not doing or whatever, I mean – you're you're going to lose people immediately as far as as far as that's concerned and uh, just how far down does that go i mean how do you trust a company that that i mean i can i can understand if a company has some sort of you know something happens and they weren't aware they should, maybe they should have been aware so you can hold them to task for that but um but it really caught them flat-footed and they immediately address it and you know like then it's like okay well you know no no 
company is perfect, but at least when you knew about it, you let us know what you know, and 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 we move forward with integrity. But if you're lying about it and then you're caught in the lie, that really just changes everything. <laughs> I want to read a quick um, response from Yuffie. Uh, Mac Rumors has posted an article with a response, and this is what Yuffie uh, had to say. Yuffie Security is designed as a local home security system. All video footage is stored locally and encrypted on the user's device. With regard to Yuffie Security's facial recognition technology, this is all processed and stored locally on the user's device. Our product services and processes are in full compliance with general data protection regulation, that's GDPR, standards, including and then a bunch of numbers. Uh, to provide users with push notifications to their mobile devices, some of our security solutions create small preview images, thumbnails of videos that are briefly and securely hosted on an AWS-based cloud server. These thumbnails utilize server-side encryption and are set to automatically delete and are in compliance with Apple push notification service and Firebase cloud messaging standards. Users can only access or share these thumbnails after securely logging into their Eufy security account. Although our Eufy security app allows users to choose between tech text-based or thumbnail-based push notifications, it was not made clear that choosing thumbnail-based notifications would require preview images to be briefly hosted in the cloud. That lack of communication was an oversight on our part, and we sincerely apologize for our error. Error. Uh, They're planning on revising that push notification language uh, and then showing kind of how that makes a difference, but they don't address the uh, issue about watching Yuffie streams via VLC. So that is still up in the air. Uh, the second part of that, I think, makes sense. Um, it's just they chose the thing that was less concerning. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right, that was again. Another, yeah, that was another claim that the security researcher made was that um, it was briefly connecting to a web server to send thumbnails. And so they were. he was going like, why is that? But that's not the bigger issue here. That's it's, not the bigger issue. Yeah, it's that's the unencrypted a video stream. Yeah, it's not good. <sighs> all right, uh, I think that's all. As, as if lots of as if people won't notice. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Uh, anyways, that's that's kind of weak. Weak sauce. Weak sauce, man. <laughs> Anywho, okay. Well, we've reached the end of the security filled episode of tech news weekly apparently there's just a lot of security things you need to know about right now so uh that's how it goes tnw uh we record this show every thursday so just go to twit.tv slash tnw doesn't matter what day you go that that site that's just where you can find all the ways to subscribe to our audio feed our video feed um all of our past episodes are there as well uh so yeah check it out twit.tv slash tnw something else you should check out is club twit because that is how you support us directly. Support your favorite shows directly. Twit.tv slash Club Twit is where you go. Uh, Club Twit starts at $7 a month or $84 a year. And though that, that pay will give you uh, access to every single Twitch show with no ads, because instead of the sponsors uh, supporting the content, you are directly supporting the content. So you get an ad-free experience. You also get access to the Club Twit Plus bonus feed. That's a Twit Plus bonus feed that has extra content you won't find anywhere else. Behind the scenes, before the show, after the show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, lots of great stuff there, as well as access to the members-only Discord server. Uh, 
That is the place where you can go to chat with your fellow Club Twit members and also those of us here at Twit. Uh, it is constantly active, constantly popping off, as it were, uh, and a great place to hang out and uh, make some new friends. See who else is supporting the uh, shows directly. We do appreciate that at twit.tv slash Club Twit. Again, starting at 7 bucks a month, uh, up to $84 a year. And that's because we heard that uh, some folks were saying, hey, look, I'd like to be able to give you some more than just 7 bucks a month. And we said, you know what? That's so nice. Okay. I think we'll make it possible. Uh, because we haven't stopped at just those uh, options, you also get access to some great shows that are Club Twit exclusive. There's the Untitled Linux show that, as you might imagine, is all about Linux. There is Paul Therott's show, Hands on Windows, a short format show where he talks about uh, Windows tips and tricks. And my show, Hands on Mac, which is also a short format show where I talk about all things Apple, loads of devices, uh, and, and, you know, the apps and services and what you need to know about everything. Um, and the one that will be coming out later today, I'm excited about. It is uh, all about Apple Music Replay. So if you use Apple Music and you've seen your Spotify friends sharing their year in review and you're going, I wish I could. You can. Apple Music has a replay feature. Uh, it's just kind of hard to access. So I walk through that process of doing so. And then you uh, get to see my embarrassing <laughs> music taste because I've been doing a lot of audiobook listening this year, not a lot of music listening. So everything's mm -hmm. skewed. Everything's very skewed towards one specific thing. But I will leave that to those of you who subscribe. Um, now is my time to tell you that you can follow me online at Micah Sargent on many a social media network or head to chihuahua.coffee. That's C-H-I-H-U-A-H-U-A.coffee where I've got links to the places I'm most active online. Uh, again, check me out uh, later today on Hands on Mac. Saturdays for the Tech Guy radio show, although in the new year, it will be Sundays and it'll be Ask the Tech Guys and on Tuesdays for iOS Today, which I co-host with my pal and the very brilliant Rosemary Orchard. Uh, Jason Howell, what about you? Dang, you're busy. <laughs> uh, you've got quite the calendar. Um, I'm at Jason Howell on Twitter, uh, Mastodon, twit.social slash at Jason Howell. If you want to find me over there, I'm really enjoying Mastodon, I got to say. It's really nice. Um, big thanks to John Ashley. Big thanks to Burke McQuinn at the studio for helping out behind the scenes, making this show happen uh, from a technical sense behind the scenes. And thanks to you for making this show happen from a listening and watching us uh, sense. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next Thursday on Tech News Weekly. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Hey, folks, I'm Matt Pruitt. And I have a question for you. How do you think your hardworking team with the Club Twit corporate subscription plan, of course, show your appreciation and reward your tech team with a subscription to Club Twit? Keep everyone informed and entertained with podcasts covering the latest in tech. With the Club Twitch subscription, they get access to all of our podcasts ad-free. And they also get access to our members-only Discord, uh, access to exclusive outtakes and behind-the-scenes footage and special content like the Fireside Chats that I enjoy hosting. Plus, they also get shows like Hands on Mac, Hands on Windows, and the Untitled Linux Show. So... Go to twit.tv slash club twit and look for corporate plans for complete details.